It is good to see you here this morning for the third time. And uh, you know what? God has some good things, I believe, prepared this morning in the message. And if you could just uh, mentally kind of scoot up to the edge of your chair and, and kind of lean in. We're going to get some things done in our lives. I believe God has given me a message. And as we continue the message on harvest, I, I think it's very important for us to begin to say, you know, what, what's in my heart? You know, uh, the parable of the sower. There, there was things in the garden. There was weeds, rocks, you know, the hard path. And it, it made the, the actual... Uh, seed not profitable. It, it did not produce. Uh, but the soil that was good produced 30, 60, and 100 fold. And, and before we begin, let's just pray. You know, to maybe right now you can clean out some stuff. In other words, I know it's hard to get your mind kind of quieted down and uh, there's a lot of distractions, some our choice and some not our choice. Um, but it, let's, let's lean in this morning. Can we just pray before we begin? I'm not really asking, but can you, let's pray. Father, thank you so much, God, for the ability to come as a family of believers and, and uh, just agree in prayer, God, that you are, are everything. And, and Father, as you give us revelation, that Father, that we are able to have life to the full, even to the overflow. And God, as we come to this place on Sunday, we, we know it's just a physical location, but God, it, it, it's kind of a place that you know, God, that we come together in agreement and celebrate your goodness. We hear the word of God together. And Father, I believe you have uh, positioned us to, to hear the word today. And we just allow you to be God in our lives. That Father, that we might be uh, able to receive what you have. Uh, a harvest of good things. And, and Father, we want everything that you have for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, the title of my message today is The God of the Surprise. The God of the Surprise. If you're taking notes, write that down. I'll explain it to you. Uh, you know, what, what I found out is th there's a lot of names of God. If you've ever studied those or heard of like Jehovah Jireh, you know, He's my provider. Uh, we've, we've heard names like Jehovah Rapha. He is our healer. And there's Jehovah Nisi and Jehovah Mekadesh. But today I think that there's a new name that we could, you know, we could really give God the title. And that is Jehovah Sneaky. <laughs> Has He ever surprised you in your life by doing even more than you thought possible? You, you know what, what's amazing to me? And, and let me tell you, could, could you, we turn on some air? I think I'm... <laughs> I'm a little bit higher, not because I'm anything in statue, but you know, uh, I think the platform, uh, the, the worship team just left, so I'm not saying anything about that, but a lot of hot air up here. Da da da. Where's a drummer when you need one? Anyway. Jehovah Nisi, you know, Jehovah Sneaky. And, and when I was thinking about all of my life is a lot of times I, I begin to look back on how God moved in areas that I, I, I knew that he could. But a lot of times, I, this, this isn't a good thing. But I was like, God, you did it. You did it again. And, and I, I wonder, though, it is because of my 
at times, my lack of faith, how much that God was not able to work in John Miller. And because of that, then what the overflow was inhibited to be able to help other people. And when, when I think about uh, the power of God working through the believer and him allowing us to receive what he has for us or, or saying, you know, that, that's all I'm going to receive. It's pretty amazing of what sometimes, you know, we, we leave on the table that we, we don't receive for ourselves. Um, well, let, let's just get into it. If you have your Bibles, look at uh, the passage in Luke chapter 4. You know, this is a passage that starts with Jesus' temptations. In verse 1, it says, Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. And he returned from the Jordan River, and he was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. Now, did you catch that? Because sometimes I read that, and I miss that part. That he's full of the Holy Spirit, but at the same time, he was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. Being in tune with the Holy Spirit will put us in a place that we need to be, even though sometimes our own reasoning, God uses our minds. We're not just zombies or robots out there. He has given us a free will, but as the Holy Spirit speaks to us, He guides us and directs us. Even in the Bible, uh, in the book of Isaiah, it says that you'll hear a voice behind you say, this is the way to go. And don't we all want that? I mean, honestly, that there's times where, you know, even our spouses, we, we just want to say, what do you think? I mean, it, it, it's, it's from a, a major decision in our life to what do you think about this shirt? That, that we, we want to know somebody else's opinion, but how much more important would it be to be able to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, to be able to guide us and direct us, and where to go to make decisions. Here's Jesus, and he, it says that he's led by the Spirit in the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for uh, 40 days. Uh, Jesus ate nothing all the time and became very hungry. And, and it goes on to say that he was tempted in three ways. And let me just remind you, if you've heard it before, and if you've not, let me just inform you that he was tempted by the things that he was going through at the time, the circumstances. The, the devil said, turn this rock or this stone into bread. And he answered him with the word of God. He did not fall in that temptation. And, and then he took Jesus to another place and he said, cast yourself down, you know, God will watch over you. And even the enemy used scripture but twisted it and Jesus fired back, now you're wrong and here's the answer. And he didn't fall into that temptation either. And then the third temptation is he took him up to the, the mount or the temple mount and he looked over and he says, the enemy is saying to Jesus, I, I've got authority to give you all this if you just bow down and worship me. And Jesus again quoted scripture to keep him from that temptation. And again, how important it is for the believer to know the word of God. Therefore, if you know the word of God, you can get a word from God. In other words, when you know the Word of God, you can hear the Holy Spirit bring that back to your mind time and time again. You say, well, I don't know the chapter and verse. Forget the chapter and verse. The first thing that you need to do is allow the Word of God to become part of you. Now, now make sure it is the true Word of God. I mean, don't, don't get mixed up to the point where you say, early to bed, early to rise, makes me healthy, wealthy, wealthy, and wise. You know? 
That's not in the Bible. You know what God said in Hezekiah? There is no book of Hezekiah. He's just a king in the Bible. So, so here's Jesus, and he begins to answer the questions. And I think that, again, when we're allowing the Holy Spirit to move us in ways that, uh, that he wants us to go, that when we are able to hear the Holy Spirit speak to us through the Word of God, it keeps us on course. But, but here's what's amazing is the God of the surprise, when we allow him to speak into our life and we're obedient to what he's saying in our life, I believe that we open ourselves up to harvest. Because, as, as we've said many times through the series, the sowing is hard. We know that. Sowing, 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 sowing seed, sowing seed, sowing seed. Plowing up ground and sowing seed spiritually is hard. It is the, the times that sometimes we think that go unappreciative. Spending time in the Word of God, spending time in prayer, spending time at church, encouraging one another. When it, Are you not encouraging me? So, so some of those times we think, man, it's just so hard sowing seed. But harvesting what we have believed for is by faith as hard as it is to sow. So here's Jesus, and he, he comes out of the wilderness. And, and you go down to verse 13 of Luke chapter 4, and it says, When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. That's why it is important for us to realize that just when we're on a high top, you know, a mountain and everything's going well, a lot of times we, we fool ourselves by saying, well, it's not really important to be in the Word of God. It's not important to be in prayer. It's not important to be at church. But, but the opportune time will also remember follow times in our life when we didn't even know that we were slipping into the opportune time for the enemy. Let me explain. Sometimes a person will be so far into depression before they even really realize they're in depression. And they're saying, I just don't want to get out of bed in the morning. The opportune time for us should become shorter and shorter and shorter as we're maturing in God. Because we're not allowing that opportune time to come. Brianna said, that's good. Say it again. <laughs> the time that we're maturing in God, that opportune time that the enemy is looking for, those times should become shorter and shorter. He should say, maybe, maybe, no, not today. Not today. Not today. You don't allow opportunities for him to come because you have allowed time to pass. Just spending time with God. There's people that will say, you know, I haven't gone to church in, in two weeks and I just feel like I can't go back. And you go, two weeks? Everybody's going to wonder where I will. I don't care if it's been two years. Okay, I, I wasn't even going to preach on that part, but let's go on. So the enemy left until an opportune time. Jesus returned to Galilee and the power of the Spirit and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in, in their synagogues and everyone praised him. Now, I just got him sit in the circumstances here of, of this time period. He's preaching, his fame is growing, and people are going, man, he's amazing as a teacher. Did you hear Jesus speak? Boy, he had a three-point message that I've never heard before. I just feel better. He's a great teacher. 
I don't know if they said that. That's not in the Bible. But I'm assuming because they're praising him. And then in verse 16, it says, He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. Here's where the music again changes. Da-da-da. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was it the custom, his custom. Did you hear that? He, was, he had a custom that he went to church. And he stood up to read. Okay, so they would give an opportunity for someone to read. Jesus stood up. It was his opportunity to read. And a scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. I love this picture because he's the creator of the universe and they're handing him what he's already written. By the power of the Holy Spirit, Isaiah writes this and he, they're going to give it to him to read in front of him. Now remember, we're talking about the God of the surprise. Jehovah Sneaky. He stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And unrolling it, he found the place where it was written. Ready? The Spirit of the Lord is on me. See, I know what's coming. And and if you know what's going to be read here, Jesus has written this years ago that Isaiah, through the Holy Spirit, is writing it down for this moment. And so here he gets the scroll and he's like, I've been so excited for this moment. I had all the world and the enemies trying to tempt me over here on this little stuff. I can't wait to this moment when I can read this because I know what's coming. I'm going to die for their sins. And I'm like, give me that scroll. Let me read it. (sighs) Jehovah Sneaky. Verse number 18 says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom from the prisoners, for the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now listen to all those. Everything that he's saying is the answer to that problem. Anointing me to preach the good news to the poor. I'm, I'm poor, I can't. The good news is your answer. Put the Word of God inside of you. He has sent me to proclaim freedom from the prisoners. It doesn't take much to know that if you're a prisoner, the answer is, I'd like to be free. And recovery of sight for the blind. Of course, recovery of sight for the blind. And he's not just talking about physically blind. He's talking about spiritual blindness too. The people were in darkness before Jesus came. Isaiah, Jeremiah, all these prophets are speaking prophecy of who is coming to to redeem mankind. And they're just like, we don't see it. We don't see it. But that's why he's here. And then he goes on to say and release... And, and, and to release the oppressed, and here's the part, verse 19, hallelujah, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now we're talking about the Holy Spirit speaking in our life and believing things that are beyond our comfort zone. When we talk about Jehovah Sneaky, and when we're talking about God being able to be the God of the surprise, to, to understand that when Jesus came to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and Everything changes. It's a whole new day. We're not just talking about salvation. We're talking about Jesus came to be our answer. 
In verse 20 it says, Then he rolls up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. So, so can you everybody picture what's happening? He's sitting down, and it says, look at this, I love this. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue, their church, everybody there, their eyes were fastened on him. So they're, they're watching him. And he began by saying to them, Today, the scripture, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, I wasn't there. I would have loved to have been there. But I bet you it kind of was like, boom. They're going, today, fulfilled? What we've been waiting for for generations What a great teacher you are, but ah, Messiah, not really buying that. It says in verse 22, all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. And then they would say this, huh, isn't this Joseph's son? Do you see how they're saying, he's a great teacher, everybody's amazed, everybody's, did you hear him preach that sermon? But when it came to him being the Messiah and fulfilling everything in their hearing, this morning, I want us to get to the place right here in the sermon, what is your threshold of your faith? Where is it that fear, maybe, doubt, unbelief comes in when you're Allowing God to be God in your life. This is happening right here in in this picture. They go, whoa, wait just a minute. Now now watch what happens. Jesus said to them, surely you will quote this proverb to me. This proverb, okay? So he's telling them because they're like, "Eh." maybe you'll quote this proverb. Physician, heal yourself. Do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. Now that, that's important. He's in Nazareth and he's been doing miracles in Capernaum. Now I want you to see this. In Scripture, Capernaum is not mentioned outside of the Gospels. When Jesus departs Nazareth, he, he sets up base pretty much in Capernaum. You can see that beginning in Matthew chapter 4. It's his center. He does miracles like... He calls the fishermen to follow him. Uh, he calls Matthew from the, the receipt of customs, the tax collector booth. It was the scene where it says in, in Matthew chapter 11, many mighty works were done. Uh, he heals the centurion's son. He heals the nobleman's son. He uh, uh, heals Peter's mother-in-law, right, right in Capernaum. Uh, the paralytic is healed. He cast out the unclean spirit in Capernaum. He heals probably Jairus' daughter. Uh, The little child is used to (laughs) humble the disciples in Capernaum. Uh, He teaches in his sermon on the bread of life is in Capernaum. So let's go back to the the text. In verse 24 it goes on to say, he's saying you're going to quote that proverb, physician, heal yourself. And then he goes in verse 24, I tell you the truth, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time, 
when the sky was shut for three and a half years, and there was a severe famine throughout the land, yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. Now, now what he's saying is, he'll, he'll quote what happened in the Old Testament with Elijah and Elisha, talking about what miracles took place. Do you remember the uh, Elijah, Elijah and Elisha's stories where Elijah goes to the widow of Zarephath and, and she just has a little oil. And he says, go get all the containers you can and just keep pouring oil. And all this oil comes out until the containers are finished. I mean, all these containers until she has no more containers. And that amount of oil during the famine supplies the need. Now, now watch this. He's reminding them of that miracle. And then he reminds them of another one in Elisha's time. He says, and there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha, the prophet, yet none of them were cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. Now, now watch this. Naaman the Syrian was the general that came. I don't know if you remember. And he, he says, what do I need to do? And, and Elisha says, go dip in the Jordan seven times. And he goes, well, I'm not going to do that. But he goes and he does it and he gets healed. Jesus is reminding them that these people are not Jewish. Ooh. See, we're Gentile. If you're not Jewish, you're Gentile here today. And, and it, it isn't bothering you. But for them, it says in verse 28, all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him down the cliff. They're going to throw him over the cliff. But look what happens. It says, but he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Now, now, why are they so mad? It says they were furious. Now, you've you got to wonder, what is it about a group of people that loved his sermons, but when he begins to say, I'm the Messiah, they go, pull up, and they get mad. Because this has been going over in my mind as I've been preparing this message. And, and what, what I come to is this. Here's a place that they believe that no good thing was expected to come from Jesus. He's one of us. We even know his dad. He's one of our boys. What does he think he is? Who does he think he is? If he's going to be Jesus, he's going to be the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Come on. They were mad because even if... They didn't believe, they didn't want Jesus to do anything good in Capernaum, which was a bunch of Jews, but, but not in their hometown. They didn't expect it. They didn't believe because he's not the Messiah. He can't do that. But when Jesus began to speak about Gentiles getting uh, healed of leprosy, which was the modern day of AIDS, you just go, how could that happen? Or a miracle of a, a provision of a widow, and Jesus is actually kind of kind of making it clear that there were Jewish people over here that had the same problem, but God chose to heal and to rescue people that weren't even Jewish. 
Because of why? 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 It wasn't because he didn't like the Jews or that he liked the Gentiles better. It's because they believed. The widow believed. Naaman, believed. Naaman had his problems, but he ended up saying, okay, I believe. I'll do it. I'll dip in the Jordan. And what was a death sentence, they said that his skin, Naaman in the Old Testament, his skin became like a child's skin, just new skin. He, he was healed. But here's what's, here's what's a little concerning, that as a region, Nazareth did not believe. And, and many miracles couldn't be done because of their unbelief. But then you go to Capernaum with, with all these miracles that took place. And as a region, they refused to go any further than what they saw take place and what Jesus could do. In verse uh, if, if you go over now from Luke to Matthew chapter 11, this is just mind-boggling to me, but it says this. In verse 23 of Matthew chapter 11, it says, And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the skies? No. You will go down to the depths. If the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. But I tell you that it will be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. See, God had a plan for the people of Nazareth and had a plan for the people of Capernaum, but they just wouldn't believe. I don't know about you, but if I have something coming to me, you know, that you see uh, in a newspaper or something, you know, some of these lost funds, you know, and they'll put names in. Man, I'll go through there and I can't, I can't wait till I get to the M's for Miller. And, and I'm looking for anything close to Miller. Miller, Milnicky, Manucky, uh, Mildew. I, if, it, if I think it's coming to me, I'm not leaving it on the table. Amen. Anybody else amen that? We're talking about harvest. When you go back and see that verse again, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has sent me to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's today! Hallelujah! The year of the Lord's favor is continuing ever since Jesus came on the earth and says, it's a new day. Understand that the fulfillment happened when Jesus said, I'll go. I'll die on the cross for Him. This is something that is so... Mm. I think as a believer, we become, we get so, it's such a cliche that he came and died for us, and, you know, well, rah, 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 rah. There's something about the confession, and even how great thou art, that song that we sing, you know, this morning, and you just keep singing. You see, you, you can sing that just like the people of Capernaum or Nazareth. How great thou art, you know. How great thou art. Or you can begin to, to actually meditate on how great God is. Now, what is your threshold of doubt? What is your, what is, let, let's call it this, what is your choke point? Because so many times, if we're not careful, 
We're walking and circumstances happen. Sometimes circumstance happens that's not my fault. And sometimes circumstance happens that is my fault. But the point is that if I'm not careful, I'm making my belief system out of those experiences because I chose to put myself into them or that life just happened to me. In this situation, the people of Nazareth says, no, my, our experience is that he is just a little boy that grew up here. He can't do anything. Because of that choke point, they weren't able to see the needs taking place or, or the miracles to take place right there in their hometown. Jesus said, you're even going to say, hey, why don't you do miracles like you do in Capernaum? But then you go to Capernaum and they saw miracles and there was a choke point that said, well, you know... <laughs> You know what today we celebrate? It's called Palm Sunday. And when I'm preparing this message, this goes with it so much, is I'm thinking about all these people outside of Jerusalem that were fed, the 5,000 were fed. Now, now here's the difference of the feeding of the 5,000 more than any other miracle. is because we know that all that Jesus came to do is to seek and to save those that were lost. And his miracles really proved his divinity. But, but the, many times he would do miracles and say, don't tell anybody. Because in other words, I'm not going to be a sideshow, you know, performer just so that, yeah, do that again. Do that again. Pull that out of your hat. Yeah, do that again. Do you believe that I'm the Messiah? No, come on. You're a magician. <laughs> Have you ever met somebody like that? They just, no faith in God. They even have a testimony. Man, my mother was going to die. We prayed and she came up out of that bed. You believe in God? No, I'm an agnostic. What are you doing praying? It's called Palm Sunday because the people in the feeding of the 5,000, all that's taken place, remember, here's the difference. 5,000 men plus women and children. Uh, if there was just one child per man and one woman, you're looking at 15,000. Well, let's say 15,000 plus people are leaving that place with the testimony. They ate. It's inside of them, the testimony. This is the people that experienced miracles outside of Jerusalem. And the day comes, as we're celebrating today, Palm Sunday, and they come in, or Jesus is coming to Jerusalem for the Feast of the Passover. Let me, let me just quickly, because I know that we're all on different levels. Some of you have heard the Passover, some of you first time today. The, the Feast of the Passover goes all the way back to Exodus when the children of Israel are leaving Egypt. God is uh, setting them free, setting the captives free, the oppressed. And, and God has told them that one of the plagues would be the death angel that would pass over the houses. And the, the Israelites, the believers, the children of God, would take a lamb, slay the lamb, kill the lamb, take the blood of the lamb and put it on the doorpost of the, the house, giving an, a, an identity of who lived in the house. They're, they're children of God. So what is an amazing God that we serve? God... Jehovah Sneaky. Here he comes all the way to Passover Sunday and, and he's coming into Jerusalem to be the, the lamb that will be put to death and his blood 
will forgive our sins. Hmm. He comes in to Jerusalem riding on a, a donkey. And the Bible said that a big crowd was there. And, and they got to be believers. Because if they're not believers, they're nuts. Because the Bible says they got palm branches and they're saying, Hosanna is he that comes in the name of the Lord. I, I can just, this is just me, but I, I believe that there were people there that had two hands. He said, what's the big deal? Because they didn't have two hands before Jesus healed them. There were people that were standing upright that before Jesus healed them, they were bent over. There was people there in their right mind that before Jesus was there, they were probably insane or demon-possessed. And Jesus, as He's writing in, all these people are hosanna is He that comes in the name of the Lord. And their faith is at a level but I'm talking about going to another level. And here they are throwing these palm branches down. Some of them are taking off their coats and putting... This is the first red carpet. You know what I mean? And Jesus is riding in on a donkey and it's a day of celebration. People are saying, you need to be quiet. Tell me. Jesus says, man, if I tell them to be quiet, these stones are going to cry out and praise me. Now watch this. As he comes into Jerusalem, everybody it seems like... Yay! Have you ever been there before where you're like, man, it just is different. You, you'll see it in a new believer that their, their thinking has changed because now they're hearing the Word of God and, and they're, they're set on to the course. So watch this. One week later, less than a week, we know that the arrest and the uh, trial of Jesus will take place on Thursday sometime and into Friday is why we call it Good Friday. Because he was crucified on that Friday. And, and, and I, I just get to this place where it always bothers me that there's people in the crowd that had to be there on Palm Sunday cheering him on, yelling, crucify him! Now, here's my message today. And it's a good message for us. It's not a depressing message. It sounds like it so far. But those people could only get to a certain level in their faith. They could believe that He was a good teacher. There's some people that will believe in salvation. That Jesus came just to give us salvation. And as soon as you make Jesus Savior of your life, that's all there is. And you kind of swim in that revelation. You know what revelation is? When, when you understand something that you didn't before. I, it can, revelation can be as, as little as somebody telling you something that eases your life. You know what I'm talking about. I'm not just talking. Revelation can be anything. So, somebody told me, have you ever tried to undo a, a, a bag, a trash bag, and you can't find the end, and you can't get it out? They said, just lick your fingers, and pew, I just, wow, revelation. <laughs> and I, I've told you before, you know, my earbuds always fall out until I realize there was an L on one. <laughs> that dude needs to go on that one. That's revelation. And it's kind of embarrassing. But, but when you get revelation, all you guys have already got that revelation. You're like, oh, come on. 
But see, when we're, <laughs> when we're going on to another level, the, the first thing is just opening yourself up to say, God, can you give me revelation on something that I don't know? And not allowing words from someone other than God to say that don't work. Now, now let me quickly bring this to an, an end. And, and the reason why I want you to see this is because as we're on Good Fr- or, or we're on Palm Sunday and we're we're going to Good Friday, and next Sunday is Easter. There there is things that are going off in your mind because somebody told you that. And as I said the other day at a funeral, is I don't know where you're at. And sometimes it's harder to unlearn something than it is to learn something for the first time. Because God in His Word can give you revelation that you'll just blow right by and go, "Uh, that don't work for today. And I believe that a lot of us don't see the harvest of God in our life because we're, we're restricting by faith of saying, you know, pastor, out of my choices, I've set up an experience that says that God can't do that. Now, we'd never say that out of our mouth. But if we say, anybody that is sick today needs healing, that we're going to pray for you, don't even move out of your, they don't even move out of their seat. Well, I'd be embarrassed. Let me tell you, if there's something that God has given me, I'm not leaving it on the table. If that includes healing, that includes a, a, a better marriage. Do you know that today I got revelation in our, our class down there? And let me tell you, everybody in our marriage class, let me tell you, can I tell you this as a husband? Again, I'm not going to ask. I'm just going to do it. Here we go. As, as, a, as a husband, as a man that's married, now 31 years. You need to ask Queen because she'll say 24 or something. She can't remember. But anyway, I really didn't say that for an applause. because it's. But, but here's the thing is for 31 years, what I realize is you have to continually learn. You'll never get it. Is there anybody over 70 that can say amen to that? I kind of feel alone up here on the platform. Some of you older people need revelation in that area. That, that you, you know that you are constantly learning. I could preach on marriage. I'm going to go on. When you think about the people in the Bible, Mary and Martha and their, their brother Lazarus is dead. If you know that story in, in John chapter 11, Jesus comes on the scene after four days. Nobody's been raised after four days. And, and Mary and Martha said, if you'd only been here, you could have healed him. See, their, their choke point is that he can't raise him from the dead. They're done. Do you know when when Jesus, I love this because He's such an amazing God. And, and, and here's what, as soon as you think you figured Him out, He ceases to be God. He's a big God. 
Now, now watch this. Nathaniel is, is a kind of a, you don't hear too much about him being a disciple, but he is a disciple. In, in, in the Bible, it says that Jesus is making a move, man. Peter and, and James and John and Philip. And they're like, wow, he's amazing. Philip goes and gets Nathaniel and says, uh, hey, hey, we found the Messiah. And, and Nathaniel, it says, then comes to Jesus. L- listen to what he says. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? <laughs> Nathaniel asked, come and see, said Philip. And when Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said to him, here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. He says, how do you know me, Jesus? He said, I saw you over there under the tree when Philip, and he's saying, I saw you under the fig tree. And he goes, he says, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You're the king of Israel. Now watch this. Just out of that little revelation that Jesus speaks to him, he's already proclaiming the son of God. But here's what Jesus says, which is the God of the surprise. He says, you believe because I said I saw you under the fig tree? You shall see greater things than that. And then he adds, I love this, because this is our God. He's not going to just say, he's going to say more than enough. He says, I tell you the truth, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Here it is, the one thing I want you to get. Whatever your choke point is in believing that God can do in your life to advance you, I want you to begin to, to, to dwell there, to put a focus there and say, God, here, here's where I'm, I'm, I'm th- this is the lid. Let, let me give you this illustration, then we'll close. They put fleas in a jar and they put a lid on that jar. Now, I don't know who's studying fleas, but this is what they said happened that those fleas would jump up and hit their head on the end of that jar until finally they kept jumping, but they only jumped right below the lid. They could take off the lid and those fleas wouldn't jump out because that's all the higher they would jump. If we're not careful, we're just like that. Our faith is only this high and that's all we'll expect out of God to do in our life. That'll be our choke point. Can God heal the sick? Yes, just not me. Somebody else. Can God provide more than enough for your family? Yeah, but not not me. Somebody else. As we get into the time of Easter, and we begin to see a loving God that came to earth to down the cross for us, that not only that we would have salvation, but through our faith in Him, again, that lid is lifted off and all of a sudden, as his children, we begin to walk in a way that not only do we bring enough for, to us, but we're here for a bigger purpose than that. If we're the salt of the earth and the light of the world, then wherever we go, we have the ability to bless other people. It, it, it's a whole different way of looking at it. Instead of not having enough, we have more than enough. Instead of being, you know, greedy and stingy, we're looking for places. Not just to give money, that, that's always important, but to be able to see opportunities to come in and encourage somebody, 
to begin to give experiences in our life that what God has brought us through. And all of a sudden that choke point becomes higher and higher and higher and higher. And we begin to reap a harvest that we never previously expected. Let's pray. God, you're a good God. And Father, we know that you have the best for us. And God, we know that you coming to this earth, it was just a total act of love. The God that you had the whole world. God, there was nothing that you lacked. But God, it wasn't enough. Because God, you wanted us. God, you, you made that choice. You made a plan. And you loved us so much that you gave us a free choice to choose you or not. And Father, today I pray that the lid would be lifted off. That God, that we would be able to look and to receive, God, your love for us. The God that we be, can we can be having problems in our marriage, but God, you 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 have the revelation that can give us understanding of how to dissolve that conflict. God, we can be having problems with our children, and God, you can give us revelation. And walking by faith, we'll see that God resolve every year of our life. And Father, today, I, I pray for my friends, God, that, that we would get that and we would receive that. That, Father, that we would be able to say that, God, you're the God of surprise. You can surprise us in any and every way possible. We receive it today, God. And we say we're thankful for that. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen.